We'll begin. So this is the eleventh uh, of our shirim on Tehillim, and uh, I wanted to take a brief interlude to talk a little bit about uh, how to say Tehillim. And uh, in order to in order to think a little bit more deeply of that, I want us to be able to avail ourselves of the writings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, who we've uh, talked about in previous shirim in previous series here. Uh, well, not here, but in Lincoln Square. And I think uh, after reading this remarkable piece from Rabbi Nachman, seeing it again, um, it's, uh, it's something that I'm really excited to share with everybody. And I think uh, absolutely uh, changes, uh, uh, I think, an orientation towards how we understand tefillah and how we understand uh, Tehillim in general. Um, I want to start a little bit differently. I'm going to share my screen with everybody uh, because there is a Torah that I saw this Shabbos that I think comes to bear on our learning today. And Parshas Kedoshim, I've been uh, learning the Sefer of Rav Tzil and Melech Shapir of Dinov, also known as the Bnei Yisachar. And Bnei Yisachar was his Sefer, uh, a Kabbalistic understanding, a mystical Hasidic understanding of the Jewish calendar in all the months of the year. And he wrote many Sfarim besides the Bnei Yisachar, even though he's known and called by that. But he wrote a Sefer on the Parsha called Agra de Kala. Agra de Kala, there's another sefer called Agra de Pirka, which is a beautiful, shorter sefer. Agra de Kala is his sefer on the Parshios. If you've ever seen the Torah of Dinov, it's an incredible thing. It's a beautiful synthesis of all different kinds of learning. There's Chasidus, Kabbalah, Lamdas, uh, Minhag, quoting from all sorts of different, unique, uh, uh, interesting sources, a total shlita, total control, total understanding of uh, all the areas, all of Miktsos Torah, and it's all put together in this gorgeous uh, tapestry of Divrei Torah. So the Bnei Yisachar, Ritzio Melch Shapir of Dinav, writes the following on the first Pasuk of this past week's Parsha. Pasuk says, Dabro kol adas Bnei Yisrael v'amart aleihem, kedoshim tiyu ki kadosh ani Hashem lokeichem. We would have heard this together in Shul, if not for the current Matzav, but this is the famous first Pasuk of Parsha's Kedoshim, it tells us that we have to be holy because Hashem is holy. And this parsha is said, El Kol Adas Bnei Yisrael, to the entire congregation of the Jewish people, which is a unique formulation. We don't always find, uh, just allowing a few more people in, uh, we don't always find this formulation. Usually it's Vayomer Hashem Moshe, God says to Moshe, and that's the, uh, that's the command. Over here it says, Dabr Kol Adas Bnei Yisrael. Speak to the entire nation. Rashi, Rabban Sheisel, picks up on this. And Rashi Kaddish tells us, And this parsha was said with the gathering of all of B'nai Israel that there was a specific need to gather the people, to bring them in together, uh, to reduce as much as possible social distancing, and to make sure the people were close with one another in order to be able to hear the opening words of this parsha. Why? Kedusha, sanctity, Achieving sanctity is what lies at the heart of everything we're trying to do as Jews, everything we're trying to do as, uh, as, as, through our observance, through our tefillah, through our learning, through our chesed. That's uh, the purpose of our lives. So much of the Torah is dependent upon this first pasuk in Parshas, in Parshas Kedoshim. So the Dinavar says something incredible, really beautiful, I think, in its simplicity and in its directness. And in what he's trying to communicate to us. The Dinavar writes, the first part of it was cut off, so I'm just going to bring my safer out over here. But, uh, and I'll also make it slightly larger for people to be able to read inside if they would like. But the Dinavar says something incredible. The Dinavar says, and, and it's only so incredible 
Besides the fact that the Dinavir was a, uh, a world, an epoch-level Talmud Chacham, it's so brilliant because it's so simple. It's something that we all need to hear. The Dinavir says, Now we could understand what Rashi means by telling us that Parsha Zunem Rebbe Hakel, this Parsha was said with everybody coming together, and that it was said to Kol Adas B'nei Yisrael, to the entire congregation specifically. Why? So that no individual can be able to say to themselves, eh, I'm not fitting for the divine presence to rest upon me. I might not be a particularly lettered individual. I might not know so much Torah. You say, I'm not such a big London. I don't know that much Torah. I'm not such an expert. Who am I? I don't know that much. And what happens from that is a person gives up. A person says, okay, I have no chilek. I have no portion in the parsha of Kedoshim. I have no portion in this mitzvah. How can I, how can I, Josh Rosenfeld, how could I achieve sanctity? How could I achieve this rarefied thing that we're calling Kiddusha? So therefore, we're being told that it was specifically said, everybody, nobody's allowed to rule themselves out of this commandment. The command to be sanctified, the command to be holy, the command to be a rarefied human being of high spiritual nature, that's for everybody. Nobody's allowed to give up hope from that. Continues the Dinavir and says, Therefore speak to all of the Jewish people, to the entire congregation. No matter where you stand in the community, the directive to achieve holiness, to be holy, to be a lofty individual is to everybody. Nobody's ex- exempted from this. And that's why we're told, you shall be holy. You have to be ready at any moment to achieve holiness. Hashem says, I am ready at any moment to lift any Jewish person and to bring them to the loftiest heights of spirituality and holiness. So you got to be ready yourself. You have to prepare yourself to accept and to be willing for this to happen. So there's a, a famous Torah from Yenachman where he says that one of the names from a Baruch Hu is Eke. Aleph He Yud He, I will be. And Rabbi Nachman explains that that means Da'ana Zaman Mahavi, that I am ready to be. And this is, uh, Rabbi Nachman says, this is the secret of tshuva. The secret of repentance is that I'm ready to be something different. I'm open to the possibility of difference. I'm open to the possibility of change. What an incredible thing to be able to say, I'm open to doing something that I'm not used to. And to do that in a religious category, to do that in religious life is something that requires a tremendous degree of bravery, but it's, a, it's able to be accomplished. And that's what Rabbi Nachman says, I am ready to be. And that's what the Dunavir is saying over here also. You got to be ready. Hashem is ready to allow you to achieve holiness so you too can achieve holiness. Now why am I telling you this in a Tehillim Shir? Is because I would say, that the primary mode with which we achieve holiness nowadays, you know, we toss out words like spirituality, we toss out words like coming close to Hashem, and phrases like that, that more often than not feel empty, and feel to miss the mark, and feel to not necessarily be um, speaking to us. I would say that the primary area, the primary arena 
for us to experience spirituality or to uh, listen to the words of the Dinavra over here and to try as much as possible to transcend and to touch the divine is through tefillah, is through prayer. And therefore prayer is also a very difficult area for most of us. And further I want to say, and I'll argue over here in this shir, is that the primary mode of tefillah, or the primary area where this might be felt, is in Tehillim. Now there are indeed formal aspects of tefillah. You have to say Shema Nesra, you have to say Bechaz Kriya Shema Nishma. But if you look at all of our tefillos, it seems that the area in which we're most speaking words that come from ourselves, that words that are most identifiable with our own souls, is when we're saying Tehillim. And that's why for most of our formal davening, Tehillim forms the beginning and the end, the backdrop and the framing of the formal aspects of prayer. Tehillim is the language that we use for those formal aspects of prayer. And I want to explain why. The, uh, I'll put it this way. The key to achieving this in tefillah seems to be something that we call kavana. Now, I, I, if we were a larger group, that's on me, obviously. If we were a larger group, I would, uh, I would toss the question out. Uh, but I'll tell you what I, what I asked when I taught this to a group of my students recently. I asked them the following question. I said, what does kavana mean? And I got a few answers that seemed to be getting at what we were saying. Kavana means intention. Somebody said it means knowing the words. Somebody else said it means having a clear mind. Whatever it is, and it could very well be all of those things, kavana is the way in which tefillah gets its wings. It's the way in which tefillah transcends simply mumbling the words and simply fulfilling an obligation, discharging an obligation, and tefillah becomes something which we're able to achieve something spiritual, something transcendent, the connection with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, Kedusha, holiness. We're able to achieve a lofty level through that tefillah, and that's by having kavana. Rabbi Nachman is going to tell us tonight what exactly kavana looks like in a shocking way. Well, not shocking, but definitely a change from the way that I saw it. But Rabbi Nachman also says that a tefillah b'kavana can do incredible things. Let me show you uh, one more prefatory remark. This comes from the Sefer Tehillim Yeshua's Essa from Yaakov Meir Shechter. Rav Yaakov Meir Shechter, we've been quoting his Sefer a lot. If anybody uh, can see, this is the Sefer that I've been referring to during our Shiurim. And Rav Yaakov Meir Shechter has a number of Pirkei Esorurus in the beginning. A number of uh, chapters exhorting and encouraging people to get involved with Tehillim, to begin a practice of saying Tehillim, to begin a practice, even a daily practice of reciting even one parak of Tehillim, but hopefully in a program that allows one to discover Tehillim and then to be able to run away to Tehillim and to become tied up in Tehillim, to be mit kasher with Tehillim. He writes the following. B'midrash Socher Tov. Midrash Socher Tov is also sometimes referred to uh, as the Medrash on Tehillim. In Medrash Socher Tov it says, Rav Yudin b'shem Rav Yehuda Omer. Rav Yudin said in the name of Rav Yehuda, Koma she'amar David b'sifro, kinegdal, chneged kol Yisrael, chneged kol ha'itim amru. And we talked about this in a previous shir, in the third shir, but who is David HaMelech thinking about when he wrote Sefer Tehillim, if we could ask such a question? And it seems that David HaMelech is thinking about all of us. That David HaMelech said the Sefer of Tehillim, and when he recited it, he was referring to himself primarily. He was talking about his own inner fears, joys, uh, hopes, uh, the things that brought him to great heights and to great depths. And then 
David Melch also had all of Klal Yisrael in mind when saying to him as well, Chenegid Kol Yisrael, Chenegid Kol Ha'itim Amram. And he said it for all times. And in Likute Alachos, Likute Alachos is a massive work written by Rabbi Nachman's chief Talmud, Rav Nassim of Breslov, where he took every teaching of Rabbi Nachman and expanded it in the format of a commentary on Shulchan Aruch. In Likute Alachos, Hirchus Orla, Halacha Dalid Oz Tezayin Kasev Zelashono. This is beautiful. Sefer Tehillim. Sefer Tehillim is filled with all kinds of screams, cries, moans, pleas, mourns for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so many different ways which were all said and each mode of David HaMelech expressing these feelings was said with Ruach HaKodesh, with divine inspiration. These words of Tehillim include and were directed at every person, meaning that there's not a single Russia, a single wicked person, somebody that sins. That will not be able to find themselves in the book of Tehillim. Everybody from the greatest tzaddikim, from the David HaMelech, all the way to the greatest sinner, they all can find themselves in the words of David HaMelech and Sefer Tehillim. This book includes all people, at all times, and in all places, and in all spiritual places. From the beginning until the end, to the people, the very bottom rung, the very that people can find themselves, Sefer Tillim is meant for them as well. It is truly a universal book. And like Rabbi Nachman said, that Tehillim is more than just a book of Psalms, it's a handbook. And by reading these words, we're able to do tshuva. And tshuva in the broadest, most expansive way, and we've seen some of these tehillim. I, I don't need, to, I don't need to, to belabor the point, but for example, when we look at the tehillim that we learned last week, Ya'an Hashem Yom Tzari Sagef Hashem Liyakov, Hashem answer me in a time of distress, in a time of need. Or in another time, for example, we said, <coughs> excuse me, Thinking about Yerushalayim. What does longing feel like? Shalu Shlom Yerushalayim Yishlayu Avayich. David HaMelech gave this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains from whence shall my help come. David HaMelech used these words of Tehillim to provide a Pesach, an opening for Tshuva, an opening for everybody to return to God. Now Tshuva over here doesn't necessarily mean that I'm repenting for sin. What Tshuva means over here is that I'm trying to forge, I'm distant from God. And I'm trying to make that gap between myself and God closer. Kedusha, rising above, elevating myself. That's what we're trying to achieve. With that having been said, I want to focus on what we think when we think about Kavana and also what we think about of the things that ruin Kavana. When I asked my students, what are the things that ruin Kavana? They said something like a test coming up. Or they said... Actually, what's going on on the news every day? That interferes with my kavana. That makes davening really hard. Or if we pushed Marev off to the end of the night, we might find it very difficult to focus or whatever we think kavana might be. Or 
if we have a big business meeting afterwards and we have many things on our mind or a presentation that's coming up or we're planning to do a shopping, all of these things can interfere with our kavana, with what we're trying to do, with the tshuva that we're trying to affect by our saying, by our davening and by our saying Tehillim. So Rabbi Nachman has three remarkable pieces uh, in the middle, smack in the middle of Sicha Saran. Sicha Saran is a smaller work than Rabbi Nachman's magnum opus, which is called Likut Maran. But Sicha Saran was recorded by Rav Nassim Nemrav once again. And these are smaller, more self-contained lessons from Rabbi Nachman, aphorisms, quotes from him. And there are three consecutive ones, beginning with Ayin Beis, it might be that it's uh, not incidental. Ayin Beis is 72. Av is also one of the special, uh, uh, the special names in Kabbalah. Uh, Av, Ma, Sag, and Ben are four different ways of expressing Shemos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So this is a 72 is a special number. I don't think anything is uh, meant to be taken for granted. Rabbi Nachman has three consecutive Torahs over here where he basically tells you, he says, I'm going to tell you how to daven. I'm going to tell you how you can pray. I know it's hard. Rabbi Nachman acknowledges that. He says, I know that it doesn't always feel like we can accomplish it. Rabbi Nachman understands and speaks to the challenges we might face with davening properly and says, follow my advice. So you would do well, or we would do well, to follow the advice of Rabbi Nachman. By the way, I asked those same students after we finished learning this piece, I asked those very same students, I said, can anybody please tell me the last time that they davened with Kavana? And I got some remarkable responses because what people started to realize is that the last time that they davened with Kavana was the last tefillah that they remembered. And if I asked you, when was the last tefillah that you remembered? So they're all the same. I got up and I discharged my obligation and I went on with my day. They're all the same. But if I asked you, if everybody's thinking, when was the last time you daven with Kavana? It's memorable. It's something that's indelible. It leaves a mark on us. All of a sudden, things started to come out. A student said, it was the first time I was at the Kotel and I touched the golden stones and I looked over to me and I saw these ladies crying next to me. This is that it's maybe the first time I davened in my life. Another one said, uh, when my sister got married and I was watching her under the chuppah, that's the first time that I davened with Kavana. Another student said, when my grandmother passed away. That's when I davened with Kavana. What you seem to realize after you hear more and more responses, I wish we could go around in our group right now. I doubt that that would be successful. But if you go and ask yourself, when's the last time you had Kavana? The last time you really, really prayed? So you might find yourself reminiscing to a hospital room, God forbid, or really a hospital room for good times and for not such good times. You might bring your back to yourself back to a situation where there were no distractions where some mountain vista and nobody around. More often than not, I think some of the answers that I received uh, are places outside of Shul, which is, I think, very encouraging when none of us can really daven in Shul, unfortunately, miss it terribly. But these moments of Kavana, so we're not just tossing out the word transcendence. These are moments that truly achieve something. These are moments that really work. Kavana is the key to a meaningful Tfila and spiritual experience. And I want to make the argument that Tehillim is where that really happens, and you'll see why right now. So I, I entitled this piece when I learned it the first time as the desire to pray and or or a separate name clearing my mind. Listen to Rabbi Nachman's Eitzas, because this isn't intellectual, this isn't 
uh, a Hasidic Torah in the regular sense. This is Eitzos. Rabbi Nachman tells us, I'm coming to give you Eitzos. This is a handbook. This is a way in which you can go ahead and be successful in your spiritual practice. Kvar Mavur says Rabbi Nachman, She'ein lahashkiach klal al penios umachshavos zaros ubilbulim shebetfila. So Rabbi Nachman starts off from a very familiar place. He says a person should not pay attention. I've already told you. He's saying to his followers, I've already told you that a person should not pay any attention to penios. Penios, I would say, are like um, distractions, side things that are turning me, lifnot el ha'elilin, like the Torah says, to turn to foreign gods, right? Lifnot means to turn myself away, to turn my face, to orient myself to something else. Machshavazaros is a very loaded term in Hasidus. The Balatanya talks about this. The Toldos Yaakov Yosef talks about Machshavazaro. They use a very unique uh, mashal of Ritzitza de Mayis Bebeya, a hatchling that passes away inside of the egg. We're not going to get into that right now. Machshavazaros could be anything from licentious thoughts to heretical thoughts. Nobody's listening to my tefillah. Or simply thoughts that don't belong in our tefillah, like my fantasy scores in my, uh, in my fantasy league, or my investments. Machshavasars, ubilbulim, in all kinds of confusing matters. Bilbulim, I would say over here, are things that cause anxiety, things that confuse me, things that fester my kavana, that get in the way of me davening properly. Rak lasos shalom lelech betfilaso keseder. What does a person have to do? You have to do your own thing and you have to daven straight. Go right through it. Right? You can't go under it. You can't go around it. You have to go through it. Don't pay any attention to those thoughts at all. You do your own thing. Right now you are davening. Don't pay attention to those things. Uh, the way I like to think about this is, uh, I don't know the name of the movie, but there's this iconic scene that Dustin Hoffman is uh, crossing over uh, a New York street and a taxi is trying to turn on and he bangs down on the top of the taxi says, I'm walking here. So that's the way that we should, Rabbi Nachman tells us, that's the first Eitzah. That's the first Eitzah to davening with Kavana. The first Eitzah, the first advice, the first piece of advice to davening with Kavana. Rabbi Nachman says that you say to those thoughts, you say to those distractions, you say as your mind, right, I'm supposed to daven Shmon Esrei right now? I'm supposed to say Asher right now? I have 10,000 things on my mind. How could I do that? I'm supposed to Zug? I'm supposed to say a little bit of Tehillim right now? How could I ever possibly achieve such a thing? Rabbi Nachman says to all those thoughts that are swirling around in your head, say, I'm walking here. Don't pay attention to them at all. So that's the first Eitzah. The first piece of advice to achieving Kavana is to not think about it too much. Is to go straight through. To just say the words. To daven and to not pay any attention. Now this is unique because there are other Hasidic masters that told us that you should do battle with the Machshav Zaros. That you should take them with Adayim, shake them and push them away, that there's a kind of interplay between you and your Machshav Zaros. In fact, a friend of mine showed me that even, it seems in the Toldos Yaakov Yosef, which was the first Hasidic book published by Rabbi Yaakov Yosef of Polonia, it seems to be saying that there is even some value to those thoughts that confuse us during davening. That maybe they should be embraced and they should be incorporated into our tefillah. Be that as it may, Rabbi Nachman says, 
take those thoughts and just push them out of the way. Say to those thoughts, I'm walking here. I'm davening here. I'm trying to daven to Hashem. And then Rabbi Nachman goes and tells us the second piece of advice. Gam, Amar, Shezet, Tova, Gidola, Mashabayim, Alav, Machshavas, Rabbi Nachman said, and actually, it's a really good thing that there's so many things that come to interfere with our intent and with our focus in tefillah. Keep below zeh, without all of these interferences, if a person were to daven properly, if a person were to utter a tefillah the right way, right, then we wouldn't be able to withstand the accusations against our tefillah. Like, let, let me, let's say for example, let's say for example, I manage to quiet myself down, right? The Gemara Brachos tells us, that the first chasidim would, they would sit and meditate, it seems, for an hour or whatever block of time before tefillah, and once they'd quieted their minds down, then they would go ahead and daven. We saw this in some of the earlier masters of Hasidus who absorbed uh, a lot of opprobium of the Misnagdim because of it, that in early Hasidus they would be ma'acher on zmanet tefillah. They'd say, how can we daven if our minds are busy with other things? How can we daven if our minds are all misu'ar, if our minds are stormy on the inside? That's not going to be effective. That's not going to be efficacious. So even though I know that sovsman kriyashma or sovsman tefillah, the end of time to pray uh, officially and to get the schar of tefillah bismanet, to get the reward of davening the time might be 9.57, they're going to say, as long as it takes me. As long as it takes me to get to a point that I could have. And my Shabbos, Zechron Levracha, told us an incredible story. He spent a Shabbos, I believe in Vienna, with uh, the Alter Belzerov, um, Rav Aaron Rekeach. And there were a few Hoysbachrim that were in the house with him. And my Shabbos told us, I remember us, uh, us listening to the story because it was so amazing, you know, this this world-changing Hasidic leader, this tzaddik yesod olam, this foundational righteous individual, my Sabbath said they watched him in his room and the Belzerov, who was this very hidden, mysterious individual with thousands and tens of thousands of Hasidim. So apparently my Sabbath said that he was from a certain point, this was Shabbos, that the Belzerov got up and constantly was washing his hands, Negavasar, saying, it's spät, it's spät, it's spät, it's late, it's late, it's late, it's spät. He would go and wash his hands, sit, and then my Saba says he saw this with his own eyes. Finally, as the day was waning, the Belzerov went ahead and, and, and commenced with his tefillah. For a Belzerov, that was the time that he thought, or that was the time that he had assessed in his soul that he was ready to daven. So if we were to wait for the moment that we were able to quiet down our minds, if, anybody, if everybody was able to do that, so that would be great that we would be able to daven with the proper kavana. That's unfortunately not available to us. And that's not the way regular life works. So Rabbi Nachman said, It's actually really good. That I have all these distractions. I have all these things that get up in my mind. Without that, my tefillah would not be the way I read this is there would be a lot of accusations against my tefillah, meaning that my tefillah would not be human. It would not be a human prayer. A human prayer comes with distraction. A human prayer is tied up with the sense of not being able to accomplish exactly that it is which I wish to accomplish. 
tefillah, humanity, means that it's imperfect. It means that it's imprecise. It means that there's things that are going to get in my way because that's what it means to be part of this world when we're davening. It's good because if my tefillah is all mixed in with thinking about the stock market and thinking about sports scores or thinking about some, uh, some image or some picture I saw or a fight that I have with somebody, all these petty human things, if my tefillah didn't have it, if my tefillah didn't have it, it wouldn't be human. And now that it does have those things, now it does have those foreign thoughts, when that tefillah ascends upon high, it's disguised, it's camouflaged, it's hidden. It's just a human being talking to God, Malachim, and uh, the Baldavar, the Satan, doesn't want to have anything to do with that. It's, he was thinking about the stock market. Right? So you have to keep it human. Tefillah and prayer is a fundamentally human activity. I don't really think that Malachim pray. I don't really think that angels pray. A human being is what to pray. Angels praise, but their connection with God is one that is firm and never in question. For human beings, our relationship with God is one that is constantly in flux, and the language of that flux is the language of prayer, when we speak to God. And Rabbi Nachman has new names for HaKadosh Baruch Hu here. Rabbi Nachman says, Listen to how comforting these words are. Listen to how familiar how friendly, almost, these words are. God Almighty, the one who knows what's in all of our hearts, the one who knows what's inside all of our hearts, God knows the truth. Even though a person has so many distractions and is thinking about so many different things, nevertheless, that person's inner thoughts are just to Hashem. After all, if I didn't want to daven, then I wouldn't have picked up the sitter. Or I wouldn't have gone to shul. I would have stayed on the couch. I wouldn't have pushed myself to say, okay, now I got a daven. I can't tell you how many times, especially in isolation when it's not like officially my job that I have to show up to shul. When I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just conked after a long day with the kids and cleaning and work and everything, I have to daven marif now? I have, to, I have to get off? I have to peel myself off the couch? And I know that my mind is going to be elsewhere and I'm exhausted and I can't muster the energy to focus? Nevertheless, God knows what's in our hearts and God knew that we got up to daven. Once you got up to daven, once you got up to do that act of tefillah, once your life was affected by your obligation to pray and your desire to pray, because honestly, nothing really, you're not going to get struck by lightning if you didn't daven that marif. But you daven that marif because you wanted to daven that marif. You daven that chakras because you wanted to daven that chakras because you know that it's the right thing and you know that you're supposed to accomplish something through that. That is the framework with which Hashem judges our tefillahs. That's the framework with which Hashem sees our words despite our distractions. God knows that we're directing our thoughts to Him. Hashem knows what we're really thinking. He knows what we have to do. And He accepts our tefillah with love. Even though it is garbed in what it's garbed, which is our distractions and our failings and, and, our, and, and our lack of ability to focus properly. Pnim is ritzon of a kanasu tov. What's inside of us is good. 
And then Rabbi Nachman, so to summarize for a second, Rabbi Nachman is telling us two important eitzos for tefillah. The first eitzah is that if you have negative thoughts, so just say the words. Go right through. Take a sitter, make sure you're davening from the words, make sure you're saying it the proper way. Ya said shalom. Do your own thing and don't pay attention to them at all. And then Rabbi Nachman, in a nod to our humanity, says, and I also know that all of us struggle with this, and it's actually good that we struggle with this because the distraction, the inability to focus, the confusion that messes up our tefillah, that makes us feel like, ah, just another tefillah, that's actually what makes the tefillah human. That brings it to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And a Kaddish Baruch Hu understands as well. Hashem knows what we're thinking about. We're not going to have too much time to say the end of all this, but Rabbi Nachman then says, once I've told you these two eitzos with which to achieve kavana, he defines kavana. And Rabbi Nachman's definition of kavana over the next two Torahs is, at the very least, a connection of machshava to the word. Or, stated a little bit differently, machshava, a connection between thought and dibur, an expression. That at the very least, at the most fundamental level, when I say the kavana means when I say the word baruch and I utter it and I have to utter it, baruch, that the word that, that what's in my mind at that time is blessed or baruch, that I'm thinking of the word as I say it. That's kavana. I told my students that it seems through this that Rabbi Nachman is telling us is that kavana isn't really thinking about something. Most of us define kavana as Okay, now I have to think about Yerushalayim and Bona Yerushalayim. I have to really, really focus on the, world, on the words. Rather, what it seems like is that if our thoughts are generally over here, Kavana means quieting those thoughts. Kavana means narrowing our focus. Kavana means bringing ourselves into a kind of spiritual tunnel vision where all I have before me right now is the word and the meaning of the word itself. Rabbi Nachman told his followers that even though there's many, many different Kabbalistic interpretations and kavanos, right? If you open up a Shara Kavanos from the Arizal, uh, written by his Talmud, Rechaim Vital, you'll see all kinds of different Kabbalistic intents and things to think about when you're saying the words. And then later on, if you look at the Sidur of the Rashash, so then you'll find there the Sidurim of the different Mechavnim, you'll find that every word has different combinations of Hashem's names. And, and, and Rabbi Nachman knew all these. Rabbi Nachman was familiar with them. And he told his followers, he said, let's eschew, let's dispense with all those special Kavanos. Just focus on the meaning of the word. Kavana doesn't mean this deep, learned intent and focus on a particular thing. That might be for some people. Kavana, at the very least, is quieting, narrowing focus, tunnel vision on the words in front of me, biur hamilim, maybe, if you want to get a little fancy, understanding the words themselves. That is where Kavana is located. And that's why one of the greatest pieces of advice that I've ever gotten for Kavana is that don't be a knacker and think that you know the words by heart. Daven from a sitter. And the sitter that I daven with, the Biala sitter, Chalkas uh, Yoshua, which is filled with all sorts of Kabbalistic interpretations. Shilav Hashemos, it has the Shem Havaya, Yudke Vavke, with the Shem Adnos in the middle so that a person can focus on both the names of Hashem. All these beautiful things. And you know what it says at the beginning of Shemona Esrei? It says, Yizar lispal mitoch hasidr dafka kemosha asa admar zechrona levracha. A person has to be careful to daven from the sitter itself because they knew exactly what Rabbi Nachman is telling us. That ikra kavana is just saying the words. Ikra kavana is connecting the thing that's coming out of my mouth together with what's in my mind. 
If my mind is elsewhere, if my mind is not focused on other things, then I have this experience that might be a universal experience that you start davening, okay, Hashem's fasai tiftach, you say the first bracha, you remind yourself, okay, now I got to say ma'ashavaruch tal, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm saying osa shalom already? I guess that was a shmon esrei. That's not kavana. You still have achieved tefillah, Rabbi Nachman would say in his forgiving way, but that wasn't tefillah but kavana. And that's why I think that this is still a Tehillim Shir. Because at the end of the day, when I read the words of Ashmona Esrei, as much as I think about it, as much as I want to talk to myself about the importance of a restored Sanhedrin, Ashiva Shoftein Krishona, or I want to talk to myself even about the rebuilding of Yishalayim, or I want to talk to myself about the Malshinim, that uh, the scoffers and the liars and the people that want to be mashmits, the people that want to make us look bad and tell on us, all these people that they should be that they should be totally cut down. Fine, those are all universal concerns. That's fine. But that's not necessarily me. I want that to be me. I want to align myself with the words in Shema But then when I really think of myself and the words that when I focus on them give me understanding and expression and self-expression, the place that we find it easiest to connect our thoughts to the words, I think it's in Tehillim. I think based on what we saw before, that Tehillim was written for everybody. Rishayim, Tzadikim, Beinonim, everybody. For every generation, every time, and every place, like Rib Nasan told us in Likuta Alachos. And like we saw the Medr Sochetov. When I read Tehillim and I say, who hasn't felt themselves in the pit calling out Hashem? Right? To talk about what a Shabbos is. To understand that I could feel what a Shabbos is. I could do that. I know what it is to feel. I know what it is to express thanks. To be thankful to people. We go out of our windows at 7 to express thanks. I know what that's like. I would say that the most fertile ground in our liturgy, for having kavana, for being able to connect our machshava, our mind, and our dibor, and what's coming out of our mouth, that's going to be Tehillim. And Rabbi Nachman says it could start by just saying the words of Tehillim, by just having them uttered from your mouth. And if you practice, and like any good thing, this quieting, this focus, this simple kavana requires effort, but then you start to make David Amalek's words your, your own words. And you realize the import of what was said in Midrash Socher Tov, that David Amalek kenegdo amrun, uchenegid kol Yisrael. That in Zerach HaKodesh he had us in mind when we say it. And that the sine qua non of our tefillah experience and thus our striving for holiness and connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is filtered through this aspect of tefillah, of prayer, of using holy words to give expression of the holy thoughts and the holy things going on in a Jewish soul. And recognizing that distraction is normal, is human. Recognizing that we have methods with which to employ to get rid of that distraction. And hopefully recognizing that the more we say, the more that we connect with it, the more we find that our tefillos are answered. Yimali Hashem kol mitshalaseinu litova. May Hashem fulfill all of our requests and all of our tila for good. And I guess it's not for naught that one of Rabbi Nachman's stated greatest achievements was not his works of Torah and unbelievably learned discourses on Jewish thought, but 
the simple instruction to his Talmidim to say 10 kapitlach of Tilim every day. To say 10 chapters of Psalms every day, to have a daily practice in Tehillim that lies outside that supranomium, that lies outside the formal obligation of prayer. Because Rabbi Nachman, I think, knew well enough that a practice in that way is something that brings us closer to and closer to achieving true kavan. I want to thank everybody uh, for coming to learn with us this 